We are in a series called Big Ten Values, and um, last week we kind of kicked it off, and uh, it's it's based upon obviously the Ten Commandments, but it's building our families on values that's that's very strong biblical found uh, biblical values that we're instructed to build our families upon. Now, uh, I want to say this, uh, and I shared this with you last week too, but. You know, we say often, yes, 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 we build our families on these things, yes, yes, yes. But it's very interesting that that yes, yes, yes turns into no, no, no when we're sitting talking about, you and I are sitting talking about marriage counseling, right? Because our values don't line up with our spouse's values. You know, we'll say, well, our, our, you know, we believe on these big ten values, absolutely, absolutely. But then a lot of times what happens is when we start engaging in our lives, we have the Big Ten values, but we also have these other values that was impressed upon us growing up that have become our values. And a lot of times those values begin to trump the Big Ten values because those are the ones that we were, you know, raised on, right? So uh, last week I shared with you again that we can have the Big Ten values found in the book, but then we can also have our Big Ten values found in our families. For instance, how do you guys view money? You know, does money, is that your identity? Is money, you know, it's, you know, money's good, you know, and, and yes, money doesn't bring me happiness, but if we have enough money, I feel secure, right? And we need to strive after money. And what happens is we can impress these thoughts and things upon our, upon the lives of our kids, uh, and, and in our families that may not align with the Word of God, but they may be good things. It may be a good thing, you know, we need to save and stuff like that, you know. So we're not dispelling that, but at the end of the day, sometimes, our views can become become precedent over the Big Ten values uh, in the Word of God. How do we view sex? How do we view relationships? How do we view marriage? How do we view parenting? How do we view kids? All these things. And a lot of times, always, in a marriage relationship, these things come in in uncommunicated expectations. And when they come in in uncommunicated expectations, that's when things start to erupt. Now, you may say, well, my family doesn't erupt over those things. Uh, you may be the one that's a control freak and everybody has to do your thing or you will erupt, right? I know, not you, none of us in here. But you see what I'm saying? What is it? That, what are the values that you do build your family, your, 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 your family upon? Essentially, what I'm talking about is something we're going to be, uh, we're going to be, um, you know, the recipe for values, but essentially what I'm really talking about is something that we're going to be ta- I want to, uh, I'm going to be doing in October called the emotionally healthy spirituality. This is a concept that I think eludes many of us as Christ followers. In fact, the author of, and again, I'm not just using the, uh, there's a book called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. This is a great book. Uh, and, and I'm not just taking his and kind of leaving it there, but this whole concept, this concept of self-awareness, this concept of what it is that I truly believe in is, is very, is very critical. In fact, the author of this book would make a statement which I agree with, and he would say this, you can't be spiritually mature if you're emotionally immature. Right? Now, when we say emotions, I'm not just talking about emotions as far as like our feelings. I'm talking about things that we bring into our marriage relationship or in, into life in general. And this is how we believe. And some of us never test. Some of us never test what we truly believe. Some of us never throughout life even have an idea, a, a sense of self-awareness that perhaps maybe how we view something might not be correct. Heaven forbid, right? Heaven forbid. 
And so if we go through life that way, we can be emotionally stunted. For instance, let me give you a good one. Church. Some of us have grown up in church our whole lives. Church is very important, right? Have you ever thought that maybe some of the things that you do in church is more for you than it is for God? Have you ever thought that maybe sometimes your spirituality, when you take a, when you take a list, if someone says, well, you know, are you a, you know, a fully devoted follower of Jesus? Are you a disciple? Well, yeah, I'm a disciple. And you start going down the list. Does that line up with the Word of God? You know? Some of us say, well, I've been involved in this, 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 and we have these checkoffs. You know, I did all these things right here, so therefore I'm a disciple. Does that what the, is that what the Word of God teaches? See, sometimes we never think about those things. And we never test ourselves. We never challenge ourselves. And we never let anybody else challenge us either. Because it's much easier to kind of go on the basis of our own thoughts. And never be challenged. I want to share with you, I would really encourage you to sign up for this when we start, when we start talking about this in October. This is a class, it's going to be, it'll be fun, it'll be very interactive, but it's something that, that, that I think will really, really get, um, really make a penetration into your spiritual lives. And I would, I, I invite everyone to sign up and be a part of this particular group that we'll be having here. We'll talk about it more in the future. But as we talk about our Big Ten values this morning, I want to take you to Deuteronomy chapter 5, verses 8 through 10. So if you would, turn to Deuteronomy, clear at the beginning of the Bible. Deuteronomy chapter 5 is where we find the Ten Commandments. And last week we talked about not having any other God ahead of us, uh, any other God ahead of God. Where God says, I'm the one and only. Don't put any other God ahead of me. I am it. I am the one and only. Today we're going to look at idols. Okay? And in chapter 5, verses 8 through 10, Moses, or God through Moses, says this, Do not make any idol for yourself in the shape of anything in the heavens above or on the earth below or in the waters under the earth. All right? He goes on to say this in verse 9, You must not bow down to them or worship them, because I, the Lord God, your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the father's sin to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing faithful love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commands. God says, there's no other God before me. No other God before me. And he says, do not create, do not erect any other statue, anything in, in, in a form where you're going to bow down and you're going to worship that. Now, you and I are sitting here in the 21st century and we say, yeah, I don't really have a golden calf in my backyard. I really don't have this idol. Like when we read through the New Te- or the Old Testament, they were notorious for having these statutes, these poles, these, representa- these things that represented other gods, such as gods of fertility, gods of pleasure, all these other gods that they would literally bow down for. They would have festivals, they would have meals, they would have celebrations, they would have everything that we kind of have in Christianity, in a sense, they would have for a false idol. And they would have all these idols. In the New Testament, you remember Paul when he goes to uh, Mars Hill, or he goes uh, into that area and he starts preaching to them, and they have all these unknown gods, right? Remember that? If you've read that story... Uh, Paul, who was a, a guy that was just on fire for God after he, he got his life turned around, he's on fire for God. He goes into this area that has all these gods and they don't have a name on them, really. Or they have this one that doesn't have a name. And he says, that's the one you should be worshiping. 
That's the one and only you should be worshiping. But they had all these other gods. If you look at world religions now, many, many religions, like Hinduism, some of these other religions have thousands upon thousands of gods. Why? Because they want to make sure that they don't anger any god if they left them out. God says, no. No, there's only one God. Yahweh says, there is only one God, and I'm a jealous God. I am the only God. And don't put any other God ahead of me. And don't erect a statue, don't erect anything in a graven image or anything that you're going to bow down, you're going to worship. 21st century, like I said, we don't really have those things. But it's interesting, uh, even when you go back and look at archaeology and things, culture after culture after culture seems to have idols. All the, Just idol after idol after idol. It seems like man, man and women, when I say man, I'm talking about mankind, we have this propensity, this, this reason, this, this draw or whatever to turn objects or people or things into objects of worship. Okay? And God says, don't do that. Look at our society today. Could we name a few of our gods that we bow down and worship? How about materialism? How about phones, right? How about technology? I saw an ad the other day. Well, uh, you know what? It was for Comcast. Nor is Comcast uh, giving us any money for me saying this, right? You know, uh, this is not a plug for Comcast, but apparently they have this new feature on their on their uh, whatever it is. Have you seen that commercial where they're sitting around the table and everybody's on their phone and their iPads or whatever? And mom comes in and she has this thing that she can hit that literally pauses the internet to where no one else can, you can't access it during this time, right? She just hit, has like controls, like turning off the switch. Now, some of you, that's not an issue. For some, it is. For some of you, that's not an issue. You've got other issues that it's not for others, right? We have this, we, we, all of us have this thing, it seems like, where we're drawn to, 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 to turn that thing into a thing of worship. Whether it be kids' sports. I was talking to someone yesterday, um, one of the refs, one of the refs at my son's football game. We got to talking and I, and I said, man, I tell you what, a few years ago I said I, I did a girls softball, eighth grade girls softball um, game, you know. I got I was in youth ministry and one of the parents was the coach and I got sucked in to in one of those games, right? And somehow they put me behind home plate. And I'm like, you know, and, I, and then I was like, oh, okay, I get why. I'm telling you what, I could have killed the parents. I mean, it was like, it was insane. You've been around, you've been around yourself, right? It's insane. And then the kids, you can see the kids becoming like the parents. It's crazy. It's a God. It's a God. It can become a God. It can become, become an idol. Whatever it is, money, God, whatever it is. Back then they had their bales. They had their Asherah poles, which, which represented certain things like pleasure and God of sex. Mammon was money. All these other things. Moloch was, who was the God of violence. They had all these other gods. Today we have our gods. They just come in the fashion of materialism, sports, uh, popularity, relationships, you name it. Anything that goes amok. Anything that gets placed above God that becomes that thing in which we worship. It's going, it's an idol. And I want to share with you just a couple of thoughts about this because it can be a huge issue within our lives. Time can be a huge issue. It doesn't matter what it is, but I want to share with you two things that I think they're worth mauling over, okay? Number one, it says don't make an idol out of anything. God says don't take anything and make an idol out of it. And so let's establish what an idol is. An idol is valuing something more than God. 
If something's going to take your attention more than God does, if something's going to take your passion more than God does, and by the way, you can always tell what someone's passion is because that's what they're going to talk about all the time. That's what we get fired up about. That's what we share. You know, That's what we get into. You can always sit down and talk with someone and figure out what their passion is. If anything becomes more valuable than God, it's an idol. It is an idol which we will worship. Deuteronomy 4.15, listen to what God says through Moses. He says, for your own good, you need to be extremely careful. This isn't something, I think sometimes we look at this and we say, well, these are good suggestions. You know, I'll take these into consideration, God, you know. God's saying, um, yeah, that's not how I'm giving these to you. This is not a suggestion. You want to have a strong family? Build your life on these values. Build your family on these values. Don't get sucked in to being deceived by these other things that become an idol. Build your family on these values. Build your life on these values. Don't compromise them from anything. So why? Why would God say this about idols? Number one, idols cannot deliver. Idols cannot deliver. Listen to what Jeremiah says in chapter 14, 22. Jeremiah says this. Can any of, or God through Jeremiah the prophet, can any of the worthless idols of the nations bring rain? Can any of the worthless idols of the nations bring rain? Or can the skies alone give showers? Are you not the Lord our God? We therefore put our hope in you, for you have done all these things. Jeremiah recognized the, you know, who God was. It's not these other things that's going to bless us. It's not these other things that's going to bring what we're looking for. Only you can do that. You see, idols can't do that. That's why relationships go amok a lot of times is because we look at our spouses and what we want from our spouses is what only God can give us. We look to other people. We make other people, whether it be our kids, whether it be our spouses, other relationships, we put them in the place of God. And when they can't fulfill what only God can fulfill, man, that relationship becomes strained. Who's got the problem? The person that can't deliver, the idol that can't deliver what we're demanding from it, or us, because we're putting something in the place of only of what only God can do. Jeremiah says, where are we going to turn? There's no other person that can bring rain. The skies can't do Only you can deliver, God. Only you can do this. And, and it said, any time that we put anybody in that place, we've created an idol. And guys, every single time, you're going to be disappointed and frustrated. It doesn't matter what it is. Where do you get your identity from? Where do you get your, you know, who you are, all these things, who you are? Is is it from an idol or is it from God? The second thing is this, idols control you. Or the next thing is idols control you. This is why we don't have idols, because idols can control you. Listen to what Jeremiah says. I'm using all Jeremiah's scriptures here for, for the first part of this. Jeremiah says this, yet my people have forgotten me. Yet my people have forgotten me. This is God talking. Yet my people have forgotten me. They burn incense to false idols that make them stumble in their ways on the ancient roads and walk on new paths, not the highway. God says they're bowing down to idols, and those idols not only can't deliver, but they consume them, they control them, they control my people. They make them do things that is absolutely ridiculous. They make them do things that I never designed them to do, never destined them to be or to do. And yet when they get sucked into worshiping these idols, when they get sucked into allowing these idols to consume them, 
they end up going in ways that, that's never intended for them. By the way, guys, there's another word we could use in the 21st century called addictions. We get addicted to things because we think if we can just do more, it provided a little sense of pleasure here. And if we could just do more and get more of that, then it will continue to provide us what we're this pleasure or whatever it may be. And we become addicted to certain things. And it doesn't have to be drugs or alcohol or other vices like that. It can be all kinds of different things because we place an idol We've placed something in the place of God and we've created us a good old-fashioned idol and it can't deliver. But yet we become consumed with it, we become addicted to it, and it's so hard to break now because we just keep thinking it's going to provide. It's going to provide. And we become consumed. It destroys our lives. It destroys our marriages. It destroys our relationships with our kids. It destroys all kinds of things around us. But yet we keep plowing forward thinking that it's going to deliver at some point in time. And we just make a wreck of our world around us. Being led astray, allowing something to take the place of God within our lives. They can't deliver. They control us. They conform us. Jeremiah, again in chapter 2, verse 5, it says this. This is what the Lord says. What fault did your fathers find in me that they went so far from me, followed worthless idols, and became what? Worthless themselves. Many of us search for a sense of worth in all kinds of things. Whether it be job, whether it be pleasure, uh, the things we, the cars we drive, you know, the possessions that we have, the clothes that we wear, whatever it is, whatever it is, knowledge, you name it. We can, we try to find our value and our worth in so many things. And what happens is, they conform us into exactly what we don't want, and that's worthless individuals. Because that is not where we get our worth. God says, why is it that your fathers left me? Why is it that your family didn't raise me, and raise you in, the, in my way, built upon these values? Why is it that your family didn't really take these things to heart? Why is it that you're, did they not, did I not come through for them? Did I not come through? Did I not fulfill my end of the bargain? Did I, was I not faithful? Did I turn from them? No. They continue to follow idols and they became worthless themselves. Idols change you. They'll warp you. You, you literally lose your uniqueness, your identity that is you in Christ. Literally, you sacrifice it. You just give it away. How about the rich young ruler in the New Testament? Remember that story? Jesus is going about teaching, and this guy comes up, and he's rich. Maybe that's why he's got his name, Rich Young Ruler, right? He's rich. He's, he's got all kinds of wealth. He comes up to Jesus, and he says, What must I do? What must I do to inherit eternal life, to get eternal life? And what's Jesus say? He lifts off some commandments, right? He lifts off, he, he lifts off a couple things. And this guy says, that's awesome. I've done those things. What else? And Jesus goes after his idol. Does he not? That's great. You've done all those things. Here you go. Take everything you've got, sell it, give it to the poor, and follow me. Hmm. Mm. 
as the story goes, the guy just kind of hung his head and he left, indicating that that was a step that was way too much for him. Now you're, now you're coming into my camp, right? Now you're getting too close. You want me to chop down my idol? This is my identity. This is who I am. That's what Jesus knew about the guy. Jesus went directly at it. Jesus went directly at this guy's idol and said, will you give that up? Will you give that up? I wonder if Jesus communicated with us and he knows exactly what we may struggle with at times. He may know some of us in here that we have an idol in our lives and we've got that thing clenched so hard. And I wonder what would happen if we had this direct conversation with Jesus and Jesus looked at you squarely in the eyes and said, why don't you give this up? Why don't you let this go? How would you respond? Maybe you're in a wrestling match with Jesus right now over it. Maybe that's one of the reasons why we don't want to go through a class like Emotionally Healthy Spirituality is because we don't want to know what our idols are. It's much easier to live in ignorance than it is to live in awareness and be called to do something about it. I would pray that as we face our idols that we could give all those up to Jesus and say, look, this isn't about this isn't about me here. This is about you. And I'm not going to be conformed to my idols. I'm not going to be changed by my idols. I'm not going to be something that's that's going to take over in my life. The last the next one is this worship only Yahweh. So the two things don't 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 create another idol. Don't create another idol in any shape or form. Don't have any other God before me. Don't create anything that's going to you're going to bow down. Don't put anything in place of me. I want you to worship only me. That's the second thing. Don't create an idol. Worship only me. God, Yahweh. Worship me. What does worship mean? Now this is a word that really has some passion and intensity behind it sometimes in churches, right? What does worship really mean where we'll say, well, let's get on with our worship service. We got, you know, we just did our offering. Now let's worship God. Well, we just did this, let's, now let's worship God as if there's, everything we do is about worshiping God. We worship God through the giving of our tithes. We worship God by, by everything that we do, whether it be watching a video where we, where we lean in and we catch another, another glimpse or something else about God where God's trying to challenge, whatever it is, this is about worship. Worship means this, to give my highest love and devotion. It means I'm gonna give my highest love and devotion to God. Only God deserves my highest loyalty. What takes precedence in your life? When something competes against spending time in God's Word, what competes with that? What, where is, what is it that you say, you know what, that's, mm, no, I can't, I'm, no, I'll sacrifice spending time in God's Word. I can't, I can't not go to work, right? I can't not go to work, so I don't have time to do this. Or I can't, you know, not take my kid to the sport, whatever it is. I mean, I'm picking things, okay? Whatever it is, whatever it is, when there's a decision to be made about spending time in worship with God, giving God your your complete, total loyalty, what is it where you say, this is going to take precedence over this? Because now that's what you're worshiping. That's become your idol. That's become the thing that you've placed uh, before God saying, you know what, this is more important. It's going to deserve my full attention and it's going to deserve. Now, here's what's really kind of interesting, too. 
Um, it's crazy what we will worship, right? You know what's really interesting to me is, as intelligent, rational human beings, uh, there are some things that we will do and wor- people will worship that you're just like, that is cuckoo, right? Do you remember a few years ago, um, it was in the mid-90s, there was two things that happened. Do you remember, and I'm just extracting a couple of things right off, right out of the blue. Do you remember um, Heaven's Gates? you remember that, that when, the when um, was it Hale-Bopp? What was the comment that came through in the 90s? You guys remember that? What was it? Hey, okay. So then there was this, remember that religion formed around, it was called Heaven's Gates? You guys remember that? Yeah, remember that where, where they said, and when I remember going on, you got, yes, no, do you remember that? Okay. Did you go on their website and just kind of peruse it out of curiosity? You didn't go that far, right? Well, inquiring minds want to know. So I had to go and I got converted. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I went on there and it was, it was really eerie because they used biblical passages. And they said, if you remember, the, 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 the idea behind it was when this comet come through, it was a window to God. Okay? And you had to literally commit suicide to go through that window. Jesus was a window at one time for God. Uh, and other things throughout history were certain windows. In our particular moment in time, that was a window to God. And in fact, they would say this. If you don't kill yourself and take your own life to go through that window, then you truly are committing suicide because you're not taking advantage of the window that God came through. And they listed script passages of Scripture where they took it and just kind of turned it just a little bit. Now, I read that and I'm like, I looked at that and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so crazy. Scary crazy. How people can be so deceived. Intelligent, you know, where, where have we become so deceived? Is that the same one where they all had like Nike shoes on? Is that the same one? And they're laying, and you saw some pictures of just, it was just crazy to me. Like, this is, you know, and, and it's, it's just amazing what some of us will, you know, some of us do. I mean, when you take a snapshot of some of the things that we will worship in, in our lot, you know, things that you would say, that is just odd. Where someone would go worship a rock or, I don't know, I just, you just see all kinds of odd things, usually out in California, right? Or usually some, someplace out, you know, out west, you know? Arizona's noted for this too, right? You know, it's just, uh, no, I don't hate California. No, I don't hate Arizona, okay? But you just see odd things like that. It's amazing what, what can happen. But, but, but God says, you know, it's, why would someone do that? Paul writes in Romans, uh, chapter, the first chapter of 20, uh, first chapter 25th verse, he says this, they exchange the truth of God for a lie and they worship and serve something created instead of the creator who is praised forever. Paul says, and, and I think it's exactly, Paul says what happens is um, they exchange the truth for a lie and what happens is we become deceived. It is, I'm telling you what, when the Bible talks about, Paul talks about having a, a seared conscience, I, it's so easy to see that in, in, in people's lives today where you look at them and you're like, how could you ever make that decision to do that? How could you ever come to that conclusion? And you come to real, I mean, just with everything that's going on, even in our country, some of the decisions that are being made, you look at it and you're like, what is going on? You know, what's taking place here? What's happening? And you look at it and you're like, man, it has to, you know, Paul is spot on talking about these things. They exchange, we exchange the truth of God for a lie. 
We become deceived and we start exchanging truths because we're not, we're not invested all, you know, in the Word of God where we know, where we know implicit truth and, and people start debating truth and they say, well, absolute truth doesn't exist. There's not things, you know, things aren't true which existed around Jesus' time. That was a million dollar question in his time when he came and said, what is, remember Pilate asking him, what is truth, right? I mean, what is truth? It's like if, 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 if Satan comes in, we become deceived, we exchange what we know for a lie, and we just start making these re- these really odd things of, 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 of what we're going to worship, and, and it just goes down a path that is absolutely crazy. Now let me share with you a couple thoughts about worship. Blessings of true worship. When we worship the true God, number one, true worship fulfills me. True worship will fulfill you every single time. Why? Psalm 37, 4. Take delight in the Lord and He will give you your heart's desires. That's not health and wealth. That means when I truly worship God, when God's my only God in my life, where He is the one that is at the top of all things, He demands all attention of mine, where my worship is only to Him, where I give Him my highest loyalty of attention and devotion and everything, He becomes that. What He does is He fills he takes my mind and he fills himself in my mind. He takes my mind, he puts himself into me. And when I pray and when I want to serve God and I want to worship God and I want to please God, what happens is he gives me the desires of my mind, my heart, which are his desires anyhow. And I am absolutely, truly fulfilled. I'm truly fulfilled. I begin to understand that these other things are not going to bring life, but only He is going to bring life. The next one is this. True worship will free you every single time. Every single time. John 8, chapter 8, verses 31 through 59. Look at these words real quick. The Pharisees come and they're trying to trip Jesus again. He says this. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed Him. He said this. If you continue in My Word, you really are My disciples. You will know the truth, and the truth will what? The truth will set you free. He goes on to say, we, and they said, we are descendants of Abraham. They answered him, and we have never been enslaved to anyone. What are you talking about being free? What are you talking about being set free? How can you say that you're going to become free? And he answers them and he says, I assure you, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. He goes on to say, a slave does not remain in the household forever, but a son does remain forever. Therefore, if the son sets you free, you will really, you really will be free. Let me tell you something. When you go back home and if you just sit down and think about things and look around your house and see all of the junk that you have in your house, why do you have all that junk? Because at one time you thought that that would bring you a sense of fulfillment. Did you not? And how many of us have some high tag priced junk where we're still paying on that junk and it is no longer a sense of pleasure, but it's a sense of bondage and slavery. Because I thought that this would bring me pleasure. I thought that this would fulfill me. And now I am enslaved to this stinking thing, me and the bank, until I get it paid off. Jesus says, you want to be set free? Focus on me. Let me fill you with my thoughts, my desires. What's truly going to bring happiness? Worship, truly worship me, and you'll be set free, and you're not going to have a landscape full of junk that you're held in bondage to because you'll truly know what where your identity is at. 
The last one I want to share with you very quickly is this. True worship transforming. As the worship team comes back, and we're going to spend some time uh, just to sing a couple songs. Uh, true worship transforming. Listen to what Second Paul writes in Second Corinthians chapter three eighteen. He says, "We all, with unveiled faces, we all." This next slide. We all, with unveiled faces, are looking as in a mirror at the glory of the Lord, and are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. This is from the Lord, who is the Spirit. We are looking as in a mirror at the glory of the Lord and are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. True worship transforms you. Just like when you worship an idol, it transformed you into something that's worthless. When we truly worship God, it literally transforms who we are, literally transforms who we are, where we become more into the image of Christ. Do we become more loving? You better believe it. Do we become more humble? Absolutely. Do we become filled full with hope? Absolutely. Do we become all the fruits of the Spirit? Peace, love, patience. Those come from true worship. Where, where we just, we, we, we allow God to come in our lives and remove things and set us free from things. And instead of becoming worthless, we become fulfilled, man. We become set free. We become men and women that are, that are, that are truly enjoying life. Because enjoying life is not about enjoying life the way our culture says to enjoy life. But it's finding our identity in Jesus Christ. I want to lead us into a word of prayer and I, uh, we're going to uh, sing a couple of songs and I would ask that you would just use this time as a time to respond. If God would, you know, whatever God lays upon your heart, would you allow, would you respond? Would you have the courage to respond the way God would have you to respond. So why don't you stand with me? Let me lead us into just a few moments of prayer here. Father, I give you great thanks that, man, we're, we are human. We are human. We can leave this place so charged up, we're ready to take mountain after mountain. We're ready to invade hell with a water pistol. And then at some point, we just kind of dissipate like the air in a balloon that's not tied off. And once again, find ourselves kind of off the path. But yet, you're a God that is right there. So loving, so merciful, so graceful to pick us up as we fall back into your arms once again and, and confess that we've slipped. You're so wonderful to just Keep on keeping on with us. And Father, we just give you great praise and thanks for that. We also give you praise and thanks that, that you're a God that, that uh, when we read about these things in the Bible, when we study your word, that you fulfill these things. It's not just something we talk about and we kind of hope that it will happen, but God, we have confidence that it will happen because it's based upon you. It's based upon your promises. And so this morning, we just give you great praise and thanks. Father, would you please help us to not have any idols in our lives? Would you please share with us, let us see things that might have become an, that might have become an idol in our lives. Would you please let us celebrate where we have seen this in the past and we continue to guard against it and we continue to follow hard after you and we can acknowledge that we have been set free, that we are being transformed more into your image, that we are fulfilled. 
God, let us celebrate that here this morning. Father, if there are those in here this morning that are struggling, that have gotten off the path where they have idols, would you help them to see that they are not fulfilling, they're not providing, they're not delivering what they truly think they should deliver. And may they, with your, with courage and your, your strength and your grace and your mercy, may they allow you to eradicate those idols in their lives so that they can find what they're truly searching for. I pray this would be a time where as we sing, we could just pour out our hearts to you. And if those want to come and pray, Father, may we, center, may we gather around them and pray uh, with them as we are all on this journey. And we just give you praise, we give you glory, and it's in your name we ask all these things. Amen.